Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's Rico Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Joe Biden is a self professed car guy. The original owner of this car. The original correct? owner, August 1967. Wow. So I'm glad the Secret Service is making an exception today and granting the vice president permission to drive a car that's practically part of his family. And the president wants more people to get into cars too, but not just any kind of car. We're going to provide tax incentives and point of sale rebates, re- rebates to help all American families. And the White House wants to lead by example. The federal government also owns an enormous fleet of vehicles, which we're going to replace with clean electric vehicles. Biden wants Americans to go electric, but his plans have hit a slight speed bump. Actually, it's a pretty big speed bump. The Build Back Better plan, which includes tax credits for Americans who buy electric vehicles, is stuck in the Senate. However, there's no need to slam the brakes on America's EV future just yet. We might just need to rethink how we view electric cars. Neil Dinesha, Box's Science and Recode Fellow, is here to explain. Biden's plan for electric cars is uh, it's in a weird spot right now. Back in November, Biden had signed a bipartisan infrastructure bill that included funding for 500,000 electric vehicle chargers, which seemed like an exciting step towards America's electric car future. But then in December, the Build Back Better, which would have included tax credits for electric car buying for both new and used electric cars, got shot down by Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. That bill's kind of looking on life support right now. So the future of his electric car policy is a bit up in the air. So I have to imagine that the way Americans feel about electric cars plays a huge role in Biden's plan to get more of them on the road. What does public opinion look like right now? A recent Pew Research Center report found that about 51% of U.S. adults oppose a proposal to just replace gasoline-powered cars and trucks with electric vehicles. About four in 10 Americans say that the next time they purchase a car, They are at least somewhat likely to consider an electric car, but another 46% say they're not at all likely or not very likely to purchase an electric car. So it sounds like there is a paradigm shift that needs to happen. You said in your piece that instead of seeing electric cars as cars that have batteries, we might actually just think of them as batteries that happen to be cars. Why is this way of thinking important? It's important because the way we think about cars is just in terms of how they can get us from place to place. But a car battery can do so much more than that because a battery can store energy and energy can be used for all kinds of applications. So you could totally charge your cell phone with your car battery, which people still do in electric cars. But if you connected an electric car to a house, you could power that house. This is a thing that Ford has made a selling point in the F-150 Lightning. There's this concept called bidirectional charging, where they say that you can use the battery in the car to do the same thing that you might do with a generator in a storm, where you can draw on the energy in the car battery to 
power an entire house. And the reason you can do this with an electric car is simply because the battery is massive. Okay, you use this term bi-directional charging. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that means? Yeah, definitely. So bi-directional charging is essentially the idea of electricity flowing not just into the car, but back out of it. So the way that we think about charging generally is that we plug something in and power flows from our outlet into the thing we plugged in, and that's it. That's all it does. But bi-directional charging takes the same cable we plug into our car, and instead of electrons flowing just into it, the electricity and the electrons start flowing back out. And they can flow into the home that it's connected to, or it could flow even further out. It can flow into the grid that sends the electricity to the home and eventually to the car. And this could actually have a lot of implications. The electric grid in America right now is, is pretty broken, and there are lots of fixes that are needed. And EVs could even go a long way towards helping the grid just work a little bit better. You know, if we enable bidirectional charging on a whole, the grid could, in a best case scenario, draw on the power from a parked electric vehicle in times that there's just not enough power coming from power plants or generators. It could use electric vehicles as almost like an emergency battery backup supply, not just for a single home, but for entire cities. I feel like I saw this happening maybe during the Texas winter storm where some people were actually using their cars instead of generators. Does that ring a bell? That's right. Yeah. Texas was hit hard by this winter storm in February that knocked out power for millions. And the early ads for the F-150 all showed people driving up to a dark house, plugging in their Ford F-150, and the house lighting up like Christmas. That can help build your house. And if need be, power that house. And it's very feasible. This is a thing that's totally doable. The people I talk to say that, you know, the same kind of charging cable that's used to power a car can draw the energy out and power a home. In cases like storms like the one that hit Texas, it could be potentially life-changing. Does anything need to happen for bi-directional charging to become a reality? A couple of things. First, I think, is sort of willingness from the, from the car manufacturers themselves. Right now, a lot of electric cars come with these battery warranties that say that the warranty is void if the batteries are discharged, as in if the energy is taken out of them to power something else. But that's kind of changing. Ford, for example, obviously has changed the terms of its warranty with cars like the F-150 Lightning. Volkswagen has announced that their car is starting in 2022 will support bidirectional charging. So that's one of the hurdles that seems to be melting away. But another big hurdle is actually the way that our homes and the grid are set up. The grid is just not positioned to accept power flowing the other way, at least not at this kind of scale. And also, usually when in a blackout, Homes are wired in a way that makes it so that no power can run through them if the grid is down. In order for bidirectional charging to, you know, do things like power a home in a blackout, the way that we wire our homes would have to change. Homeowners would have to either do this themselves or pay for an electrician to come out and wire a separate circuit in their house that works separate from the grid to keep the energy flowing from their car into their home. How similar is the technical side of this to, say, homes that have solar panels and home batteries for storing energy. It's pretty similar. And actually, they kind of have the same sort of hurdle. 
I talked to a professor at CU Boulder named Kyrie Baker, who told me that most people don't know this when they buy solar panels for their homes. But in most blackouts, the solar panels just, just won't be able to keep the lights on because of the way homes are currently wired to work with the grid. If someone had a home that had a solar panel and a battery system that was already wired on a separate circuit, that would work great. Your car would work just fine with that. But most homes aren't necessarily wired with batteries connected to their solar panels. People put in solar panels thinking that they'll work on their own. And really, you know, both the solar panel problem and the bidirectional charging problem would have to be solved with this sort of separate home circuit. And what would need to happen on a policy level to make bidirectional charging more prevalent to make sure that homes are wired so that power could go both ways? So I think the biggest policy hurdle is just the way that electricity generation is set up in America. Electric utility companies, for the most part, have a monopoly on delivering power to homes, and they don't really want to give up that monopoly. There would have to be legislation that allows homes to take advantage of the circuits within them that are usually connected to the grid that can draw on power from a car or solar panels when the grid is no longer available. So in other words, you're saying that the grid is set up right now so that you're a customer of your power company. And part of that agreement is that you can only get power that that power company supplies from its power plants or other sources. You can't provide your own. Yeah. So electric utilities essentially make it hard for you to use the infrastructure that already exists to provide power to yourself. You know, you can invest in it. You can call an electrician to help you do that kind of set up for you. But it just takes a lot more sort of time and money than most people are used to thinking about when it comes to how they power their homes. So let's assume that the policy question is taken care of and that the power companies have agreed to change the way this works so that bidirectional charging is easy and open for everyone to use. What would it actually look like if there was widespread adoption of electric cars and everybody had this extra battery for their home? Not just when there was a power outage, but at any time. It could look like a lot of things. I think one of the most important things it could do is it could make clean energy just a lot more viable than it is right now. One of the big problems with clean energy right now is that we often have too much of it. There are times in the day when so much solar and wind power is being generated that the electric utility doesn't know what to do with this. They just let that power go to waste. And instead, that power could be pumped into electric vehicles. And then when that solar and wind energy isn't available, like say if it's a windless day or if it's dark, a robust bidirectional charging setup could allow for us to draw on the energy from within electric cars to power homes and even entire cities if, if you really wanted to go deep into it. But wouldn't it also work to just build a giant battery for a city? Well, that would be expensive. And... You know, if people are going to be buying batteries anyway to get around, you'd be doing the same thing. Just everyone would then also have their own little backup battery that could power their own home. It's also worth saying that, you know, in a way, electric car batteries can be used to make that kind of giant battery for a city. I mean, there are companies that are taking used electric car batteries and making these storage facilities that can store wind and solar power and then send them out into the grid when they're needed. It doesn't have to be an either or. You can have both. That's something I was wondering about because I know that battery technology, or at least lithium-ion battery technology, is quite disposable. After a few years, your smartphone just won't hold a charge anymore. How much of a problem is recycling? How hard is it to repurpose these car batteries? Yeah, that's something that a growing number of companies are looking into. You know, it's fairly easy to take a battery out of a car and put it into a rack somewhere and then just set that up to draw energy. The question of actually recycling the components of batteries is a much more thorny question that is still being researched. 
But it's also worth saying that, you know, for the most part, the level at which we consider batteries degraded is when the batteries is only able to hold 80% of the original charge. You know, we see this in our smartphones and we also see in our cars, but 80% of large battery is still a lot of energy. And even if that isn't enough range for a regular car driver, that's a lot of potential for energy storage. So looking toward the future from the reality that we're sitting in, what are experts saying about this in the long term? And how does this fit into the larger plan to eliminate fossil fuels for good? Everyone I've talked to is pretty optimistic. The umbrella term for this is vehicle to grid. If you really invest in this, it could go a long way towards helping us eliminate fossil fuels. It's worth saying that, you know, electric vehicles aren't a magic bullet. Like if we replace every car on the road with an electric vehicle, but then we don't change our power generation to clean energy and we just power those electric vehicles with coal power, it's not going to do as much as we would like it to do. It might reduce the transport emissions, which are currently about 29% of American greenhouse gas emissions, but that could lead to an increase in fossil fuel emissions from power plants, for example, which are ramping up their generation to power all those cars. So the short answer is it could go a long way, but it won't, you know, it won't entirely free us from fossil fuels unless we also look at all these other sectors. That makes sense. Well, going back to what's happening in the Senate or maybe what's not happening in the Senate, if Build Back Better doesn't pass, what happens? Are we doomed? How big of a setback would that be? That's a really good question. It would be a setback in terms of the incentives available to Americans for buying electric cars because there were pretty large tax incentives in the Build Back Better bill. But car manufacturers overall seem to be embracing the electric future like wholeheartedly. The two best-selling cars in America have electric versions coming out soon, the Ford F-150 Lightning, and GM just announced the electric version of the Chevy Silverado, which is also one of the best-selling trucks in America. It might be harder for Americans to afford an electric vehicle at the beginning, but I also feel pretty optimistic that as more EVs come out, we're going to start seeing more cheap electric vehicles, and that'll make it a lot easier for Americans to really think about electric vehicles as a viable alternative to gas-powered cars. Well, Neil, thanks for explaining all this. It's been illuminating. Anytime. Today's episode was produced by Victoria Dominguez and engineered by Melissa Ponce from Hemlock Creek Productions. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening.